Daniel Self, and I'm glad you've joined us here at The Orchard today. We're in this series about the wilderness, following the children of God in the book of Exodus as they travel from slavery in Egypt through the wilderness to the promised land. They weren't in their old life, but they weren't yet to their new life. They were in between in the wilderness. And in the wilderness, it's necessary because it's, it was breaking off the hold that their old way of living had on them. The wilderness clarifies what wasn't working before so that you can adjust for what is ahead. The wilderness breaks off our old normal and it calls us to a new normal on the other side of that season. If you've missed any of our messages in the past, I would encourage you to go catch up. Our last one on manna last week was a game changer for many. And, and you can go to our app or our website, which you'll catch later. We would love to have you join us on this journey. This week, we find God's people moving through the wilderness and coming to the boundary of the promised land. Like it's almost over. And Moses sends 12 spies into the promised land to, to go look at it. And everybody, of course, is, is in huge anticipation because does this mean that the wilderness season is over? Like we can, we can finally begin a new life. In Numbers 13, verse 1, we, we pick up the story. The Lord said to Moses, Send some men to go explore the promised land, which I'm giving to my people. From each tribe, send one of its leaders. So 12 people. Moses said to them, See what the land is like and, and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, if there are few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it, is it good or is it bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they walled or are they fortified? How is the soil? Is, is, it, is it fertile? Is it poor? Are there trees or no? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land because it was the season for ripe grapes. So the spies went up and explored the land. They, they went through all the countries. They even went to where the descendants of Anak lived. They reached a valley and there they cut off a branch bearing a single cluster of grapes. And it was so big that two of them had to carry it on a pole between them along with pomegranates and figs. And at the end of 40 days of exploring, they returned. They came back to Moses, where the whole community was waiting in anticipation. And there they reported to them and the whole assembly, and they showed them the fruit of the, of the land. It's amazing. These, these 12 go in and explore, and the, and the wilderness season is on the cusp of being over. And the land that they're on the border of, it's not just a land, it's the land. This is the, the promised land. It's called the promised land because it's, it's the land God promised to them. And when God promises you something, we can stand on that. So this land is theirs, given to them by God. And this is the first trip to go check it out. They explore. They see the people. They see the cities. They cut off this huge cluster of grapes and they bring back some of this fruit. I mean, can you imagine the excitement of everyone? We don't have to eat manna anymore. We don't have to, to wander the wilderness. We can, we can put down roots. Like we, we can have a new normal. We can make a home. Hmm, there could be a huge harvest ahead. Back to our account, verse 27. The spies gave Moses this report. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here's the fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and their cities are fortified and large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. So right away we see they start off with this good news. I mean, it's a land that flows with milk and honey, which means where there's milk, that's a great thing because that means there's pastures and that means there's flocks 
And flocks of goats and sheep at this time are a sign of true prosperity. I mean, there's meat, there's milk, there's wealth, and there's honey. Now, honey's like anything else at this time. I mean, they didn't have candy bars. There's no taffy. There's no sugar Starbucks macchiatos. No. Honey stands alone in the sweetness category. And they said there is honey there. It's not just for the privileged or the royal. There's a lot for everyone. I mean, the promised land holds everything you would need and everything you would desire. Oh, what a report. I mean, let's, let's pick up and go now. It's the promised land. The wilderness is over. There's one giant issue, though. You see, there's people there who are very powerful with fortified large cities, and they're the descendants of Anak. And, and Anak and his descendants are people who are far larger in stature. They're warrior people who are greater in size than these tribes and so, so far, we've got a good report and a bad report. On one hand, everything is there we could ever hope for, and more. But on this hand, it's guarded by powerful people and fortified cities, and there's giants there. And this is how most things go in life. There's always, like, something good with something bad, or, or you know, what's the catch? You know, oh, well, there's fruit there. It's so big, we have to carry it back on a pole. What's the catch? Oh, well, there's... There's warrior giants there protecting it. <laughs> or I tell you, hey, you're going to meet a person who's going to be your soulmate. They're going to make you happier than you've ever been before. What's the catch? Oh, well, they're also going to hurt you the deepest and infuriate you the easiest, and they're going to disagree with you on what you want to eat every day. Or, or this, the good news is you're going to have a child, and you're going to love this child more than you can imagine, and this child's going to bring you great joy. Well, what's the catch? Well, this kid's going to cost you over a million before they move out, if they move out. And they're going to cause you more anxiety than you ever imagined when they're little and more frustration than you knew possible when they're older. There's always this good news, bad news. There seems like there's always a catch. The promised land, above all, I mean, the promised land, the greatest place ever, comes with giants. But it also comes with goodness and fruit and blessing. You see, in the midst of this bad report that they're giving about the, the giants and the, the powerful people, Caleb speaks up. He, he was one of the spies, and he says this. He silenced everybody before Moses. We should go up and take possession now. <laughs> we can certainly do it. I mean, Caleb quieted the crowd and said, listen, this is the promised land. God's given it to us. We can do this. Let's go. But there's other spies that say this. But the others who had gone in there said, we, we can't attack these people, Caleb. They're stronger than we are. Like, go, go up and fight the giants. Are you serious? Are you crazy, Caleb? They're stronger than we are. And, and you know what? If we're going to be honest, they're right. They're right. The children of God here, they're not warriors. They don't have weapons. They're slaves who built with bricks they haven't held swords. They held trowels and, and, and shovels. They could defeat these giants in a brick-building contest, but, but a battle? No. The spies were correct when they said, these people are stronger than us. These warriors, these giants, would take care of these wilderness wanderers with ease. The giants were stronger. Which makes you wonder, what gave Caleb his confidence to conquer this land? while the others were so confident they would lose. I mean, factually on paper, the majority of the spies were correct. Giants are stronger. Easy. 
what we find here, what's going on with Caleb and, and these spies is, is something called algebra. No, I know. You remember algebra? I mean, some of you who are homeschooling your kids right now, you are getting a crash course back in algebra, aren't you? Now, my whole life from an early age, I was always good with words. Numbers were not my thing. I didn't take algebra until I was a senior and I was already accepted to a college. I just had to get through it. Algebra is not my expertise. And so it's with great trepidation I give this, this illustration. We have Caleb on one side. He's saying, let's go into the land. We have these other spies on the other side saying, but they're too powerful. There's giants there. And the difference is algebra. You see, if we put their beliefs on paper, the majority of the spies have this, me plus a battle with giants equals defeat. Like we're toast. It's easy, it's natural, it's, it, it, you can see that. But for Caleb, his math was a little different. You see, you see, in algebra, there's a variable. And Caleb's life had a variable that changed everything. Caleb's faith had a variable. His equation was X, the variable, plus me, plus a battle with giants equals victory. Like there was something in Caleb's life that showed victory even over the strongest giants. Caleb's faith and experience included this variable that there was a divine resource far greater and far larger than any giant he would face. And he believed this variable was a difference maker in every situation. No matter how big the giant, this variable assured that Caleb's faith was bigger. Now, how'd they get this variable? This variable was God's favor. It's found in God's presence. The variable that God's presence was, was with them. And in fact, this variable was actually their constant. Caleb's faith rested on the solid ground that God's presence was with him. And that if God wanted him to go forward, it didn't matter how big the giants were. It didn't matter how many giants there were. God was going to stand with him. Because you see, Caleb had been there when Pharaoh tried to stand against God's people. He had seen what happened when the kings of the earth came against God. And he knew that no giant could stop what God was going to do. That God's purposes and God's power were far greater. So we had these, these spies that had their eyes, their gaze set on the giants. But then you have Caleb. His eyes are set on God. That made all the difference. I mean, did Caleb see the giants? Yes, yes. Did he see the, the, the battles ahead like the others did? Absolutely. He wasn't ignoring them. He didn't have like some faith rose-colored glasses on that just ignored the giants. No, he knew there were battles, but he also saw the blessings. You see, these spies went in. Most of them came out and saw giants. Caleb came out and saw the, the blessing, the fruit the goodness of God's promise. And that made all the difference in the world. I mean, these, these, these spies had the same exact experience. They, they all saw the same thing. They, they witnessed the same people and situations. But what they focused on made all the difference in the world. It gets worse, though. The spies who had gone in said to Caleb, we can't attack these people. They're far stronger. And they began to spread among the rest of the people a bad report about the land they had explored. And they said this, the land we explored, it devours the living people. <laughs> the people we saw there, they're of giant size. We saw the descendants of Anak there, 
and we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes and in theirs. It's amazing. They seem seem like grasshoppers. They say, we seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes. How they see themselves and their own perspective is very clear. Verse 32, it says, they spread among the people a bad report about the land. I mean, bad news travels faster than good news. Bad news sells better than good news. And bad news gets far more clicks than good news. I know it seems hard to believe, but it seems these spies would be the type of people who would hear a rumor or see something scary, and then they would go like to their Facebook page and begin sharing it. Or they would go around their neighborhood, and in every conversation, there's, did you hear the, there's giants there, and the land devours people. I mean, this, this scary spark of what if has now become a full-blown wildfire. So now it's not just the, the, those spies infected by fear, it's the whole community. Read, listen to this, next chapter, verse 1. That night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All of God's people grumbled against Moses. The whole assembly said to him, Ha! If only we died in Egypt, or if we'd only died in the wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us all the way to this promised land just to get killed in battle? Our wives and our children taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, we should choose a leader to take us back to Egypt. I mean, fear was so contagious that by that very night, the whole community had heard about the bad news, about the promised land, and they decided they didn't want to go at all. I mean, they they raised their voices, they wept aloud, they grumbled against Moses, and they said, wouldn't it be better if we go back to Egypt? I mean, can you believe this? The fear had gripped them was so strong that they were longing for the captivity of their old normal again. They think it would be better if they could go back to their old way of life. They want a leader to take them back to Egypt. I mean, could you, let's just play this out for a second. Like, like they get to do this. They, they look around, they all vote, and they vote Carl. Carl, you're now in charge of taking us back to Egypt. And so Carl leads them on a two-week journey. They show back up at the border of Egypt. They go see Pharaoh, and Pharaoh goes, what are you, what are you doing here? Your God rescued you, rescued you from, from slavery. Yeah, Pharaoh, we, we tried following God, but that journey was just far too hard. And so we were wondering, could we have our jobs back? <laughs> Can you imagine the, the uncertainty of the giants ahead were, were, were so scary that they wanted this. The uncertainty of the giants ahead were so scary they wanted the certainty of captivity in the past. I mean, they saw the battles ahead. They saw the giants and they desired to move back in slavery instead of pursuing God forward into freedom. They chose slavery over salvation. Why? All because of what they focused on. Which led to how well they knew Jesus, how well they knew God. You know, they said these giants make us look like grasshoppers, but did it ever occur to them that from God's perspective, those giants were grasshoppers? You see, your problems will be giant if your view of God is small. Caleb had a different perspective on God. Caleb knew what it was like to see God move in power. Caleb put his and established his faith in God, in his presence. And because of this, Caleb knew how big God was, which is why Caleb's giants were in correct proportion. 
You see, when we don't have correct proportion, when our faith doesn't have correct, correct proportion, molehills turn into mountains. Marital conflicts becomes, become unbe- unbeatable. Frustration defeats faith. Germs become giants. Panic conquers peace. Worry dominates wisdom. Giants are overwhelming when your perspective and your proportions are off with how big God is. When you don't see how big God is, your enemies will seem unbeatable. Your circumstances will seem overcomable. When our view of God is small, our proportions will be completely cut off from how we see ourselves correctly as well. And pretty soon, you'll see circumstances so big and scary that you'll see your little life no bigger than a grasshopper. Like, what am I going to do? This, this circumstance is so far beyond me and so much bigger, like, well, I'm just a tiny piece of it. As those spies said, we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. There's a whole lot of people going through life focusing on giants. We see it here in this account, but we also see it in our society. And we see the effects of it too, don't we? I mean, there's, there's not many things we've ever encountered bigger than a global pandemic. Can, can we just be honest? Not many things bigger than that unless you know the size of the God who breathed the universe into existence with a word. And and those aren't just faith rose-colored glasses. It's all about what we choose to fix our faith and our gaze on. Because whatever I fix my my gaze on will change the proportion portion of my giants. If I just stare at the giants, they become bigger and bigger and I become smaller and smaller. But if I fix my faith and my gaze on God, giants are put in perspective. Here's the deal. We ought to admit, there are, there are giants ahead for us. Financial, viral, social, psychological, emotional, mental. And we got anxiety and depression, breaking marriages, lost jobs, uncertainty. And these giants, they're not, they're not make-believe. They're real and they're ruthless and, and they're fierce. And they ravage our our hearts and they they steal our joy and they steal our peace and they they smash our plans and our hopes. And they carry off our secure futures and our our dreams. They conquer our land and then they, they take up residence in our minds. But you never look to the giants to find peace and hope and courage, ever. Like Caleb, you begin to set your heart and your gaze on God, and then you'll see who the grasshopper is. You get in God's presence like Caleb, and your perspective and proportions will be transformed. And giants of life will be, trans, will be, will be put in their correct perspective, will be dwarfed by a divine God. You want hope? Check what you're setting your heart and mind on. What are you putting your gaze on? You see, when my, when my faith is set on God, I cease comparing my giants to myself and I start comparing my giants to my God. You see, whatever threatens or challenges me, it comes into correct divine proportion. This wilderness season comes with both battles and blessing, giants and fruit. On the other side of this season is more giants and more fruit. And for us, like the people of this account, this wilderness season is here now to break off the stronghold of our previous season. 
For the children of God, that season was captivity. And my question to you today is, what were you a captive of before this season? Like, what were you a captive of in your previous normal? For some, we were slaves to materialism. We, we, our joy was chained to our ability to spend. Our peace hinged on external circumstances being okay. Our hope was, was tied to our bank account and our job. We were captive to a previous pattern that we'd established for a lifetime. But then this wilderness season came and disrupted our old pattern. And it cut the chains of spending and materialism. It dashed our hopes that we had placed in our finances. And the question is, where do we put our hope now? Like, where do the people of God put your hope now if you can't put it in your job or your, your bank account? We need to put our hope in its appropriate place. Where will Jesus' followers find their peace now? Because we used to find it in external circumstances, but right now, that's a nightmare. So we have to find our peace in a truer source. You see, the wilderness disrupts the patterns that we have built, and it asks us, how now will you live after this? The children of God had an incredible opportunity to look at how they had lived previously and change the fundamental rhythm of their daily life. And at the first sign of trouble, the first giant, they begged to go back to their old normal. Well, here we are today. And we have an opportunity to look at our old way of living and decide if we ever want to go back to that way of life or if we want to forge a new way, a new normal. This is something my wife Amy and I have been talking about a whole lot recently. We want to ask ourselves, we do this, what are we learning in this season? We don't want to go through this and not learn some things for the other side. And so we ask these questions. What are we learning? And here's what we're learning. We're learning that we can slow down from the pace of the world we were living before. We're learning we can spend less. We're learning that we can find joy in the small things. As we're stuck in the same place together, we're learning we like and love each other a whole lot. We're learning that there are a lot of things that we thought we needed before that were just luxuries. We're learning that faith and friends and family are far more important than anything else that, that seems so valuable before this season. We're learning that, yes, there are battles, and yes, there are giants, but there's also blessing. There's also fruit. And we're learning which to focus our faith and our eyes on. We're asking each other, on the other side of this season, how are we going to be different as people and as a family? Because we don't want to get through this and just start the old normal again. We've learned some things about ourselves. We've learned a lot of things about God in this wilderness that we want to take with us. We don't want to return to captivity of the culture we previously were a part of. One of the greatest things we're learning is we get to choose what we fix our hearts and minds on. Because we realize there's always going to be giants. There's always going to be trials and challenges. But instead of giving into the constant reports of fear, we've chosen to look at the fruit, at the blessing, at the opportunities around us for our family, for ourselves. We choose above all else to look at God and to look to God because he's given us perspective when things are so challenging, when the trial is so thick, when the terror is right outside your door. Focus on God and he puts things in perspective. And finally, we stand on his promises. 
His Bible is full of promises. Like Romans 12, 12 calls us to, to be joyful in hope, to be patient in trial, and to be constant in prayer. Jeremiah 29, 11, God says this to you. He says, I know the plans I have for you, plans for your welfare, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and give you a future. Romans 15, 13, it says, may the God of hope, like, like he's the God of hope. That's the source of hope in this world. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and all peace as you trust in him, as you put your gaze on him, as you put your faith in him. He will fill you with all joy and all peace so that you may overflow with hope. In other words, the God of hope puts so much hope within you that you overflow. And therefore, anyone you come into contact with, you don't have to pass on fear or bad reports like those spies because you're overflowing with hope and you pass on the promise of a new land and a new way of living. And you call people. Where are you going to put your gaze? This hope comes from the God of hope. And that's our prayer for you today, that you overflow with hope. And my challenge to you is this. What are you learning in this season that you need to take with you to the next? What are you focusing on in this season? Like the 10 spies, are you, are you seeing only danger and only giants? It's going to be rough. Or like Caleb, do you see the giants? in correct proportion compared to the God who loves you, who sent his son to die for you, who rose his son from the grave and who calls you even now. The wilderness season breaks off what we were captive of in our old normal. Where is God inviting you to adjust to a new calling? What is he asking you to, to, to quit carrying on this journey? In this season, what do you need to put down? What do you need to, to stop doing, being a part of? So you can travel through it in a new way. And finally, for many of us, it's, it's time to fix our gaze and faith on God. I mean, he's bigger than any giant. He, he's better than any report. He, he loves you. He's, he's present for you. And like Caleb, you can see life in correct proportion when you see God more clearly and pray for you. Father, I thank you so much for Caleb and his heart. Someone who, who saw you clearly and therefore saw the giants in correct proportion. I pray for us right now that you would help us to fix our gaze and faith on you. And I pray that you would help us to look at the fruit of what's coming and the blessings around us, not just the giants and the battles. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, as your pastor, I love you. And I'm praying for you. And in fact, if you have any, you know, we have prayer requests or you have questions about faith and, and many of you have written me on these things and you've told me, hey, I prayed with you, I received Jesus. I want to hear from more of you. I want you to email me personally to my personal account, daniel at theorchardlife.com. Also in this season, I am just so grateful for those of you who continue to, to be generous in your giving to what God is doing here at the Orchard. It means so much to us. And if you'd like to support us or if you want more information on The Orchard or, or if you want to get involved in what we're doing, then you can visit our website, theorchardlife.com. We'd love you to join us. Other than that, just remember, love God, love people, and keep your eyes and your faith focused on Him. I'll see you next week.